Hey everyone, thanks for coming. My name's Pete. I run a website here out of London called Electrified Porcupine. And I got into action figures as a youngster, of course. And then as they grew and grew in nostalgia, I got back into it in high school. And my love of toys brought me to creating a website where I love to showcase different things that I buy, review them. So if you've never checked that out, check out electrifiedporcupine.com. And thanks to the wonders of social media, I ended up befriending these two wonderful people. I've got Jay Bartlett right beside me. Hi guys, thanks for coming. And I've got Rob McCallum. Hello. And they're best known for their Nintendo Quest documentary, so make sure you see that if you haven't yet. And they're currently working on a new documentary, a new adventure focusing on action figures, action figure documentary. And it will be coming out sooner than later. And so anyways, this panel is just going to be giving a kind of behind the scenes kind of look of what it takes to make something like Nintendo Quest or the action figure documentary. And if you have any questions as we go along, please raise your hand and yell out a question or two and we'd love to hear from you. So I'm just gonna get things started here, guys. And uh, you know, we're gonna start at the beginning. With you guys working on the Nintendo Quest documentary, how did your friendship and partnership even come about? You know, and, and deciding together how to bring something as ambitious as the action figure documentary and Nintendo Quest to life. Well, we grew up together on the same street, so that helped. Uh, Rob and I have been best friends since I can remember. Um, and he went through film school and started doing some really great independent films. And I remember the call the one day, he called me at my place and just said, hey, I'm looking to do a documentary on collecting. And that's kind of where she started, yeah? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do it on collecting, and this is back in 2013. And it wasn't even decided that it was gonna be video games, and Nintendo Quest was the first film, and then Action Figure Adventures, what we're working on now. And then it just happened that we were both kind of really heating up into the, the game collecting scene, and there was a lot going on with retro gaming. So we, we kind of just steered towards that as, as a whole. All right, so you think that before the, the boom of action figure collecting, you think maybe that the video game collecting nostalgia kind of wave was maybe a catalyst for where things were springing off, bringing kind of like the, the properties and the things from the 80s back that we know and love? I think it's maybe even just more simpler and more primal than that. We just wanted to make a movie about what we loved regardless of the trends or fads that were going on. Like I said, we were into gaming, we wanted to do a bunch of gaming stuff, it made sense to do some game collecting stuff. Jay would be the guy that's going to be on camera, I'm going to be the guy wrangling the circus behind the scenes. And when we set out to make Nintendo Quest, it wasn't like we knew exactly what we were doing. It was far from it, it was very much trial by fire. Uh, every day of the shoot, uh, and for those unfamiliar with Nintendo Quest, I essentially dared Jay to collect every single original Nintendo game in 30 days without using the internet in any way. So Jay's portion of, of the film would be me following his journey for one month because it was his dream to always own a complete set. I said, I'm sick of hearing about this for all the years, I dare you to do it, take one month of your life and see what's capable. So that launched essentially the, the giant adventure. 
And for the other adventure, action figure adventure, uh, Jay used his collecting skills and prowess to go down hunt down action figures, which will be put into an auction with all proceeds going to children's health. So going you know, across North America to find some of the cool pieces and then they're going to be put up in auction. We're targeting next spring, if you're interested in some really cool pieces, uh, with all the proceeds going to help those that really could use the power in the palm of their hand to feel better. I love it, you're taking passion and then also turning into something where you can help people. Yeah, I've been working with uh, the Children's Health Foundation for quite a few years now in many different iterations and uh, instead of me going out and collecting Nintendo games for myself, which I did the first time around, um, we get to live through the different eras of action figures and instead of collecting for myself, I decided that uh, putting it up for auction and putting it towards the children's health would be really cool because we still get to experience all the nostalgia, we still get to touch the figures and build the play sets and stuff, but it's going to a much greater cause than my own collections. I love it, that's a fantastic idea. Um, through, uh, through the filming of Nintendo Quest, you know, people love behind the scenes stuff. So there's always the good and the bad and people like always hearing you know some of the juicy stuff but let's you want focus. the dirt is that what you're yeah, saying yeah a lot of the dirt, dirt but not yeah. motley cruz dirt because this is a, a oh, clean okay. a clean panel yeah exactly so um what is something positive that both of you came away with that was maybe unexpected like your biggest reward or positive moment coming out of filming nintendo quest i would say getting a, a broader sense of what the world has to offer, interacting with different people in the collecting world, seeing different collectors, meeting different collectors, how they display their collections, um, opening up that community to both of us, having that camaraderie. It's 99.9 .9 positive. Honestly, I have very minimal to complain about. It was just an awesome experience. And with action figures so far, we're still shooting but he, even more so with that, it's just, yeah, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty positive space. The internet isn't always peachy, as most of us know. It's not the most safe-free zone at times. It's pockets of really poisonous fandom. No. Yes, it's a true is. story, yes. Oh, but in true. person, most of these people are quite different, whether they're putting on an act or not, I don't know. But our experience with people is good. I think the biggest positive takeaway from Nintendo Quest so far uh, Pete, is to see how one month can change a person's life when they put everything else on hold, all the excuses, all the obstacles, all the day-to-day -day stuff that, that bog us down. When you, when you free yourself from that and you decide to go after your dream, which is a very, very powerful word and something that is so personal, when you decide to go after that, your life can't help but change and you can't help but evolve as a result. So Nintendo Quest is very much a, a, you know, a collecting and a love letter to Nintendo kind of film, but it's also very much a human story, uh, a bit of a social experiment to what can happen to you when you go through the process of that. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll springboard off of that. When you're talking about change, what change occurred in either of you? I had a lot more air miles after Nintendo Quest. I have a lot less money after Nintendo Quest. Um, no, just, I mean, if you want to go back, um, I'm not, at that time, I wasn't someone who traveled great distances, and now I consider myself a traveler. I love 
It's hard for me to stay at home now. I love when we go out and do our shoots. Whatever city we're going to, okay, let's go. I don't care. Let's hit the road and go. Um, so it's expanded my horizons in many ways that way. Sounds good, yeah. I mean, Nintendo Quest was my first feature-length documentary, and so you learn a lot, and you change as a filmmaker, and you start to develop that voice and that vision for what you're trying to do. So that was evolving a little bit as we shot. I learned really not to have too many expectations as a documentary filmmaker, one that likes to have things unfold on the camera and not know the end result. So I'm the kind of guy that likes to capture very story-driven content where I only think I know about 50% of what's going to happen and I let everything else just naturally unfold. And I take the good with the bad. It's, it's the truth, right? And the truth can never be wrong. And I think that, that's where the real beauty is. And if you guys watch Nintendo Quest, um, all the stuff that I go through, a lot of the stuff when Rob's on camera is to help me because it's, as funny as this sounds, it's incredibly stressful and incredibly difficult to make some of these decisions and to go into these places. And uh, Rob was there to, to help me out because yeah, it's, it's pretty lonely in front of that camera when everything around you is real, you got one take, you go into a store and you don't know what you're gonna find and all eyes on you, it's incredible pressure. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. So it's great that uh, there's so much positivity and change and good that came from making Nintendo Quest. And you were saying about 99% of it was excellent and great. So that leaves 1%. So not to say that, yeah, the dirt. So not to say that there was maybe something so negative, but is there something that was really frustrating or something that was the that you can share that was the biggest disappointment while filming Nintendo Quest? It, I mean, it even started before we, we filmed because we ran Kickstarter campaign to help with the funds because making a feature-length film is very expensive. And so when you're trying to raise funds for production costs and to cover legal bills, um, people, are, people see the concept of you following somebody around who is buying some expensive stuff they immediately confuse the two goals with, oh, you want to raise money to buy video games. We're not going to give you money to do that. And it's just like, no, you need money to make a film because films are expensive. So we had to constantly kind of do that. So that was, yeah. was more irritating and frustrating than, than negative, I would say. It's just clarity of message, but everybody just assumes you're out to get them or out for your own endeavors. That was tough, I got a lot of messages too, you know, how dare you guys raise money to buy video games and I assure you, every penny was, was from myself and my mom, God bless her as well, so. I always just say to people, imagine what it would cost to travel over 10,000 miles for 30 days in hotels, feeding six people every day, every meal. The, the $15,000 we raised on the first campaign doesn't cover that, let alone wages and salaries on top of it. So that was one thing. What are some of the other 1% issues that, that stood out and turned your stomach, Jay? 
In either of these examples, so if you're talking about the video game community or if you're talking about the toy community, there's that 0.1% of people who always know more than you. We didn't run into a whole lot of that, but, but it's something that, uh, you know, we talk about, whatever. Just, I'll throw out some 80s reference. The origin of Destro and how Destro is Scottish. There's always that guy that comes out of the wall, well actually, and he has to correct you, so a lot of that stuff kind of happened. More so, I would say, in the games, yeah, yeah. Than, than, yeah. But uh, Destro is Scottish, so. <laughs> All right, so as, uh, as the years have passed after making Nintendo Quest, and more people have seen it and talked to you guys and reached out to you, do you have any new feelings about what you created with Nintendo Quest, and has it affected how you approach making the action figure adventure film? Well, I think the easiest thing to say is that we made another collecting documentary, right? So if Nintendo Quest was a very sour experience in one way or another, we probably wouldn't have decided to do another project together. And there were, a, I mean, there was a lot of talk back and forth. Do we do another project? What's it going to be? Is it going to be Super Nintendo Quest, which is what everybody wanted it to be? Is it going to be Sega Quest? Is it going to be video games or something else? And then the biggest question for me was, can Nintendo Quest actually break even, turn a profit, and actually make money? Because I can't take the time it takes to make a film, which is years, and the cost of it, which is several, several thousands and thousands of dollars to do it again for free because it was a fun time. I'm a dad, I've got two kids, I've got bills to pay, you guys understand it. Making films is fun, but it's not a hobby. It's show business, and that's one word, show business. So Nintendo Quest had to be profitable. So when it actually became profitable, four years later, then there was an opportunity and the universe opened up. So you're talking, you just said a good keyword there, show business. And there was a lot of bartering and, and price negotiations of the Nintendo cartridges that yeah. you were getting. So with the showbiz kind of word thrown out, were any of the negotiations kind of done off camera and then... Everything is scripted. Everything. Was everything scripted? Was anything done Everybody's off camera? An actor. And then brought into the fold to create some more drama or is what we saw on film exactly how it was laid out? For Nintendo Quest, it's exactly how it happened, for sure, 100%. There is no staging. I did not want to get into, okay, let's do this and then let's do this. It was whatever they wanted to sell it for and whatever Jay wanted to buy it for. With Nintendo Quest in particular, uh, the end result, we shied away from having a lot of monetary-driven stats on screen because we found people were just becoming math students, trying to do the math the whole time and missing the whole chasing the dream aspect. Yeah, if I may, that was one, one of the big criticisms of Nintendo Quest was that we didn't put the dollar budget in there. It is represented, of course, with a meter that you yeah. see rise and fall. Yeah, so I get that question even to this day all the time. The, the truth of the matter is, from my point of view, if you look at a really rare game like Little Samson, 1,000, 2,000, no, sorry, 1,200 now, back then was about six to $700. There's a B. Um, the problem with that is, it's gonna date the film, do you know what I mean? Is it around me? It's still around you. Get him. No, I'm good. So do you know what I mean? So you're gonna be watching 
you'll see little Samson on the screen and it's worth $700 and that's great, but now it's worth $1,200. So there's that as well. It really dates the film and we really wanted to make it kind of timeless, right? This is Okay, so you're talking about you know living the dream. You got 30 days out on the road. You got a film crew. You got yourselves. How much of what you filmed actually is in the final product? So you've got lots and lots and lots of stuff. How do you? It's about a 20 to one ratio. 20 to one. I'd right? say maybe maybe 60 to one for every hour of footage. There's one minute in there. Okay, and how do you how do you choose what to cut? It's, it's always about what's compelling, right? It goes back to the truth. I don't, I mean, everybody here has shopped in a store before. It's not always the most interesting thing. So you cut to the moments that stand out, like, oh, wow, look at that figure. Does that matter? Uh, does it matter later on in the story? So we have to set it up now. Was there any interesting people that Jay interacted with? Was the staff interesting? Is it just time where we need a break and we need things to slow down so we want to be really in the moment with Jay or do we need to speed it up and get the journey going so is it a montage? Was the camera work particularly awesome and we want to let it sit? Was it not so awesome and we need to cut around it? Um, with that too, you mentioned the setup of the 30 days. That whole structure, which is a bit of a game show setup, you know, the constant tipping clock, that changed for action figure adventure. So we're talking about the, thing, the things from Nintendo Quest that affected action figure adventure. Nintendo Quest basically kept the game show elements and action figure adventure removed them so it could be more flexible. Because one of the things we found it was very constraining to constantly go up every day, drive six hours, go in four stores, and then hit the road again to go to another city and keep going over it. It was a lot of burnout and sure we got it in the can very quickly, um, but I think it could have done, been done better if we would have taken more time and learned lessons day to day over weeks instead. Anything to add? Yeah, I mean, the 30 day stuff is great and I think it really unfolds great as you watch it. Um, you're, you're right there with me and you can feel the tension, especially after the, the first encounter with stadium events, you really start to feel the pressure I'm feeling. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, so, for this one, I, I am kind of glad it was removed. Um, I think it gives us a chance to focus more on the different series, the different, uh, the different uh, figure lines and stuff like that. It was a, it was a smart move. There's one less thing to keep track of too. I mean, there, there ultimately becomes a ticking clock in action figure adventure. And when you watch it, when it comes out, whenever that is, you'll see it suddenly kick in and go, oh, now they have to kind of come to a close here and the, the clock is running. But then it also removes one less thing to keep track of. And, and likewise, budget is very much in the focus on action figure adventure because to determine success for that, it's gonna be about what the auction, you know, what happens at the auction and what takes place, what things get sold for versus what Jay buys them and that difference going to children's health, that's really gonna determine the success. So money became more paramount to, to kind of showcase in this film. Okay, sounds good. Um, speaking of like the editing and what you choose and everything, were there any disagreements between you two about what you'd spend on a game, where you're going to search for games, like the locations, what's going to make the final cut? Was there any kind of heat where you guys were just trying to, you know, one buddy, one, sorry, somebody had a really strong opinion one way and the other person said, no, I don't think this is how it should go. Let me tell you something about Rob McCallum. In any production, 
any production with this guy, yeah, there's tension and there's disagreements and um, we, we do a really good job, by the way, of separating our friendship too. I think we have a really good professional relationship. That being said, um, I would, all the decisions were ultimately mine in both of these. So Story-wise, what happens, Jay gets set aside. Yeah, so the games, uh, the figures, the play sets, whatever we come up with, ultimately it's my choice. And afterwards, there's always the post-interview from the store or the con or wherever we are. And Rob has to get a response, so he'll play devil's advocate a bit, you know, that kind of thing. So. Okay. And as far as the film goes, those are all my choices. I'm known as the keeper of the footage because I'll bring something up as I'm editing months ago that Jay won't remember, but I'm reliving because I'm in intently spending entire days editing, you know, a three or four minute segment. Remember that and be like, no, I don't get to see any of the footage. So, no, I don't remember. And I think it's, I think it's good to keep the separation for, for Jay not to be involved in the cutting side of it. I'll show Jay cuts here and there and different samples when I think it doesn't, it's not gonna make a huge difference one way or another just to get an outside opinion about like how to start a scene or what do you think of this or here's the trailer before it goes out. But it's, it's very much I want the guy who's on camera not to be affecting the kind of observational objectivity of, of his journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm very critical of myself and my work, so Rob does keep that separate. If it, He showed me a very, 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 very early scene from the new action figure dog. And I was like, really? Really this and that? And he's like, see, this is why I don't show you, because, yeah. So I leave that to him, and yeah, he's good at what he does. You just constantly reaffirm the decisions that have to be in stone. Yeah, that's a really cool insight that just how uh, how decisions on both ends are kind of kept separate but then yet gel into one really good finished product so